Hello everybody, it's Josh Kurievsky from Down Under. I'm in Sydney, Australia. We're at the Yao Conference. And I am here with my new friend, Brian Beckman. Brian, pleasure to have you here. Great to be here, Josh. Uh, this is my second Yao Conference and uh, it's the best conference in Australia. One of the best in the world. I've been to several InfoQs and uh, other conferences and uh, this is definitely in that category. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, you are a principal engineer in robotics at Amazon. Yes. And you're a physicist, too. That's correct, you? yes. So we have a lot of interesting things to talk about. We do. Um, we were going to start off with um, Richard Feynman. Uh, yes, Richard Feynman. I first met Richard Feynman when I, when I was eight or nine years old. I didn't know who he was at the time, but I later pieced it together. The story is this. My parents uh, sent me, I was an unruly kid. So they sent me to math camp to get rid of me for a summer. Mm. And the teachers there uh, wasted our time. You know, this is the point of camp is to burn up that excess energy, childish energy. Mm -hmm. uh, wasted our time uh, teaching us how to do square roots and uh, cube roots the longhand way. Wow. It's, uh, it's an awesome thing, and it takes a whole summer for an eight- or nine-year-old to learn this. And then at the end of the course, she said, uh, kids, I have a treat for you, and brought in this guy with this very thick Brooklyn accent. Oh. And he said, okay, kids, you spent all summer learning how to do square roots the hard way. I'm going to teach you the easy way. <laughs> he says, let's say you want to take the square root of six. Six is your target number. Now take a guess. Is two the square root of six? No, that's too small because two squared is four. Is three the square root of six? No, that's too big because three squared is nine. So why didn't you start with two? Take your target, divide it by your guess. That's six divided by two, that's three. And average it with your guess, which is two. So three plus two divided by two, that's two and a half. Guess what? That's a heck of a lot closer to, two and a half squared is a heck of a lot closer to six than is two squared. Do this a few times and you'll have one decimal place every time you do it. And so then he went and taught us to do cube roots the same way. And then he asked, okay, kids, you got any questions for the teacher? Told us who he was, professor of physics at Caltech, named Richard Feynman. And he says, uh, do you kids have any questions for me? I raised my hand and I said, sir, yes. I know about uh, C, the speed of light, and H bar, the uh, fundamental constant of quantum mechanics. And I know about G, the gravitational constant. I know about E and pi and I. And I also know that all these elementary particles, like electron, neutron, proton, pion, kaon, muon, they all have these masses that are like random. So over here we've got these numbers that are fundamental constants of nature, and over there we've got these random numbers that you've got to measure in the laboratory. How do they relate? I want to calculate the masses of those particles from those uh, fundamental constants. And he said, Kid, that's a great question. And if you solve it, I personally will make sure you get the Nobel Prize. <laughs> <laughs> and since that time, I went back and I chased him down at Caltech when I was 12 or 13 and hung around him for a summer. I came back and interned at Caltech uh, when I was 17 and 18, two summers. And uh, then I, f I went to Princeton Graduate School for no better reason than that's where Richard Feynman went to graduate wow. school. Wow. So he was an inspiration. More than an inspiration, I, I, uh, I shamelessly downloaded him and copied his methods and wow. even copied his style of thinking. Fantastic. And he was very generous with his time. He liked me because he remembered I asked this uh, 
this question, which, by the way, has still not been answered. <laughs> Nobody knows how to do that. Uh, but he thought that was a great question. And coming from the mouth of a kid, uh, he thought it was even better. So he remembered me and liked me and was very generous with his time. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, um, so you... You uh, work at Amazon, and yes. uh, that fascinates me. I think it's an incredible company. Yes. Um, I have lots of questions. So you have a story we were talking about um, the other day. Um, we're here in Australia for two weeks. We yes. spent a lot of time together. So, yes. Um, you were talking about a vendor discount and what you did to make uh, customers more awesome. Oh, yeah. This is a... Uh, this is. I found out that Amazon, you know, famously, their, one of their famous principles is customer obsession. And I found out how seriously they took this. I had retired from Microsoft. And a friend of mine called me up from Amazon and said, I need you. Uh, Eric Meyer and I had worked on this reactive framework. And he knew about this. And he called up and he said, I need you to come and make the, some of the back-end software at uh, Amazon more responsive. We have a particular process where a vendor discount is entered to, into the system. And it takes too long to get to the website. I'm not going to tell you exactly how, how long, but it had many steps along the way into the data warehouse. And if you have experience with this, you know how long it takes. And uh, there's no fundamental reason for the computation to take that long. So I said, okay, great, I'll come and do it. I brought Clojure into the company. I solved this problem using RxJava under Clojure. We had a great time. It took me about two months with a team of very talented and motivated engineers to prototype this thing and I'm sitting in the presentation to the vice president of that division and, and uh, showing him uh, this stuff. So here we go. We enter a simulated uh, vendor discount. My programmers wave their hand. I got it. I got it. I got it. And a guy in the front row says, and I bought it. <laughs> I did. This was not pre-programmed, but he bought the, the item that, that, that I had faked the vendor discount the on. vendor discount. Mm -hmm. Yep, in 10 seconds. So this reduced a process that took way too long into 10 seconds. Then the vice president, he scowled at me and he says, how much is this going to cost my company? And I said, ah, that's really good. I don't know the answer to that. And I went off and uh, it took me a couple of weeks in the finance department to chase down all the components and, and do a you know, survey over the, the sales records. And I went in and I put the badge on his desk and I said, I just cost your company $39 million. $39 million. $39 million. Because we're getting a discount to the website faster. So the prices go down bef sooner than they would have gone down. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he smiled. He, the guy had completely gamed me. And he says, fantastic, that's $39 million. We are not overcharging our customers. We love it. Go do it again. Wow. So they mean it. They mean, they mean it. it. What other company could you go in and speed up some process and cost the company $39 million and they love it? Wow. That's it's awesome. pretty rare. They really are. They really mean it. Customer yeah. obsession. Yep. And then another one is, is uh, Bezos is famous for saying it's that Amazon's one of the best places in the world to fail. Yes. To innovate, to pioneer, to fail. Failure is encouraged. It's going to happen. Uh, can you say more about that? Yes, certainly. Um, the... Uh, Amazon is con constantly doing experiments. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking for ways to, well, the, the business is dead simple. We're trying to deliver things faster, safer, cheaper to the, to the customer. And let me just reiterate those. Faster, safer, 
cheaper. Yeah, we've got all. Yeah, we've got them. In, yeah, right. also safer is make yeah. safety a prerequisite. Yeah. Experimenting and learning is what you just talked about. That's and right. Delivery is what we're all about doing. Constant, continuous, Con continuously. Yes. Yes. So we're everybody at Amazon is encouraged to take chances. Um, most of these ideas that we want to try. Uh, you give a little bit of analysis, and if the analysis doesn't yield an answer immediately, it's worth an experiment. Mm. It's just like physics. You know, some developments can be made theoretically. Some developments are made only experimentally. Some are a combination of the two. So we have, we have some of the world's best uh, analysts in finance and in um, logistics. I think one of the things that Amazon does a little bit better than everybody else is package delivery the logistics of getting of moving packages in the supply chain mm -hmm. it makes it difficult for people to come after us because i think we do it a little bit better everywhere mm -hmm. so nobody's going to come along i uh, know the famous last words right nobody's going to come along and disrupt the system maybe somebody will we'd like to be we'd like to if it's going to be if it's disruptable we'd like to disrupt it ourselves first I know you cannot say much about this but you're involved in drone delivery yes okay. yes I'm one of the founders of the drone delivery program. There were three of us together. We cooked it up in a coffee shop one afternoon. <laughs> and then we went off and did the, the analysis before we experimented. And then uh, there, several videos have been released uh, showing the results of successful results of package delivery to a customer. Mm -hmm. um, the, what, what did I want to say? Oh, yeah. The, the, the thing to realize about drone delivery is that we really don't have a choice. Uh, the roads, even if it weren't cool and interesting and fun and exciting and inspirational, it's actually necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, people order small packages from Amazon. They order them in ones and twosies. How are we going to grow this business when the roads in every major city in the world are completely jammed? Mm -hmm. sure. we, there's a lot of room in three dimensions. It's surprising how much room there is up there, and mm -hmm. so that's where we got to go. We have no choice about it. And how do you make safety a prerequisite with something as crazy as a drone? I mean, you know. Ah, well, we strive. Of course, we will not actually deploy the uh, the um, solution until it's safe. Right. What right. does that mean? Mm -hmm. um, that's getting into very complicated areas. But consider aviation safety in general. Yeah. It is actually safer to get on an airplane than it is to walk down the street. It may be safer to get on an airplane than it is to sit on the couch at home. It's safer than a car, <laughs> that's for sure. It's certainly safer than a car, a bicycle, mm -hmm. uh, running in the park, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Yeah. Um, so. Fascinating. The, the, the level of safety that's demanded out of aviation is very, very high, and uh, we will not undercut that. Mm -hmm. So the concept, too, of delivering value continuously, this is something Amazon does beautifully. Yes. Is it what, what? What is something you you mentioned? Something Bezos said in two thousand and five. Yes, the uh, there was a directive that uh, if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted other groups at you at uh, Amazon to use your software, then you deliver it as a service. Mm -hmm. And people's eyebrows went way up. You mean I can't distribute DLLs anymore? I mean, this function call that takes. 20 microseconds, you, you're insisting that I replace it with a service call that takes 20 milliseconds under the best of circumstances? Sounds crazy. But it's not crazy. It does two things. And I think this is the, the key to uh, Jeff Bezos' uh, mind. 
Jeff Bezos has figured out scaling in a general sense, how to scale a business, how to scale organizations. We're going to get to safety as a psychological thing. Um, just scaling in general. So one aspect of scaling is make sure that you do enough work to justify having a team. The, the trade-off is you can have a small team that delivers a DLL, a 20, 20 microsecond function call, but maybe you're not doing enough in that software to uh, uh, justify the team. It forces you to right-size your software. You could need to do enough work to justify a 20 millisecond or even 200 millisecond service call. Mm. You have to do enough work, but I'm not going to let you have a 100-person team. Mm. So you right-size the team by trading off the number of people which is always at uh, Amazon, it's these two pizza teams. It's yes. the size of a team that you can feed with two pizzas, mm -hmm. around 10, mm -hmm. 5, 10, 15. Mm -hmm. Organizations bigger than that don't really work effectively mm -hmm. in Amazon's way of doing things. Right. Um, uh, you know, in particular, if you get an organization that's bigger than that, then how are you going to do these fail fast experiments? That's uh, right. it's a different kind of challenge. Mm -hmm. But that's how you do it. You right size the software, it forces, it's a forcing function. And services are everything. Microservices are, are how Amazon delivers value continuously. Yes, that's correct. And and uh, I think when you hit the uh, retail website, there's something like 260 service calls that eventually happen. Of course, it comes up right away. We're yeah. not going to make you sit there and wait for all of those. Mm -hmm. But in the background, they're churning away, filling in the deals of the day, the recommendations, the, the mm -hmm. discounts, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, so the... Uh, Question I still have in my head is: You're you're a physicist. Yes. How does a physicist get into software? Yeah. <laughs> I come from the. I'm getting pretty old. I come from a generation of physicists where if you wanted something, you built it, mm. and that includes uh, computers. You want to want a computer system, you build it. And uh, uh, I felt very privileged when uh, I was working at Princeton, which is close to Bell Labs, and I worked a summer with Arno Penzias. And he said, look, uh, these guys down the block here, they've got a new operating system. I want you to try that out. So we got a Unix tape in the, in the late 70s, and we started hacking the kernel because mm -hmm. we had to. I had machines that I needed to operate. I needed to learn how to write kernel drivers. <laughs> when you write kernel drivers, you got to learn how the kernel works. You write, when to write kernel drivers, you need a programming language. So you learn, learn how the C compiler works and how the debugger works. I've probably written six or seven C compilers. Not commercial things, but physicist level things things I need for my work I need a I need a dialect of C and hey it's my own compiler so I can change it to do what I do as I please Wow when I was working at uh, JPL uh, we worked on a big uh, machine called a correlator mm -hmm. that in uh, uh, took tapes from around the deep space network and correlated them by moving the tape drives back and forth until the signals lined up so this is a big parallel and distributed computing machine we learned how to do parallel and distributed computing right on the iron so that's how i got into software and then uh, you know doing a lot of systems work uh, hey microsoft uh, uh, shamelessly recruited me for a long long time i'm the dumbest guy who ever went to microsoft because i <laughs> i only joined them after they went public but <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but yeah they um, uh, so i went and uh, just worked on pure software for a while but now i'm back in robotics which is very close to physics mm -hmm. and i'm very happy about it to be able to bring all of that um, experience together in, the, in one place again. So you're experimenting and learning rapidly. You're working in a way to deliver value continuously. Yes. Um, you're certainly making safety an absolute prerequisite for Absolutely. what you deliver. 
and and making people awesome is your goal for the customer obsession. Absolutely, we want to make customers awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and internally at, at Microsoft, sorry, not Microsoft, sorry, at, at Amazon. I know you worked at Microsoft. Yes, but um, is there psychological safety at Amazon? Well, so, yes, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's very pointed. You're encouraged to take risks. Yes, and if there's an air or a culture that where you feel like you're going to get stabbed in the back if you if somebody finds out that you made a mistake, it's not tolerated. Because how can you how can you take risks if you're watching around the corner for that guy who's gonna uh, assassinate you right. for making a mistake and say oh you're a low performer look at the mistakes you made uh, we're gonna let you go because yeah. you're in the bottom whatever quartile or oh or yeah that that General Electric uh, yeah that that old GE Jack Welsh uh, thing let's have a you know a strong Darwinian system to weed out the weed out the uh, the low performers. Uh, there are low performers at Amazon. There are low performers everywhere. Anytime you get a group of people together, some of them are going to be better than others. So what do we do with the low performers? Yeah. Very simple. Another one of Amazon's famous, you know, leadership principles that we take bloody seriously is hire and develop the best. So if we hire you, you probably belong at Amazon. Mm -hmm. If there's something wrong with your performance, there's something wrong. So we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it together. We're going to sit down and talk about it and figure out what's wrong, what's in the way. Maybe it's bad chemistry with one of your one of your coworkers. It happens. So yeah. we move you. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Heidi. Um, uh, um, Heidi Helfand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Heidi Helfand here is talking about dynamic reteaming, mm -hmm. and where she has um, uh, companies that move people around just to stir them up to prevent problems like this. Stagnation. Stagnation. Mm -hmm. and what happens with young people is they're, they're, they're very unsure of themselves. Now we, we're, we have a high bar at Amazon. We hire people that can demonstrate their talent, both in their education and in interviews. Mm -hmm. But people get stuck in circumstances where they're afraid to uh, talk. And maybe they'll yes. have, have a quarter or two where they're not performing well. Mm -hmm. And we will, we will fix it. Mm -hmm. We will talk to them. We'll figure out what's wrong. I'm coaching several people who are not necessarily low performers, but I'm happy to coach uh, low performers as well mm -hmm. on things that, uh, you know, they call opportunities. Mm -hmm. <laughs> things that you're not doing as well as you might do. Mm -hmm. So you go look for somebody who can do those things better and to teach you how to do it. So it's a very open culture. Amazing. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, and uh, both as a customer and just... And what I know, I'm just talking to you and others about just how the company runs. It's it's phenomenal. Um, so it is phenomenal. It's getting very very big, uh, and that is going to be a massive challenge. And it's going to challenge my hypothesis that Jeff Bezos's secret sauce is scaling. Mm. Uh, so we'll we'll see. Yes. Um, human pathologies are everywhere. <laughs> They get uh, they get entrenched in organizations, and who knows what will happen. But I think Amazon is better equipped to handle the challenges of scaling an enormous organization uh, better than other companies. And by the way, we're still much smaller than Walmart. Wow! Yes. Much. Yes. <laughs> that's great. All right. Well, that's a good note to end on, um, Brian. Um, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, pleasure meeting you and. Uh, you know, I look forward to meeting you again sometime. Thank you for, for coming and sharing some of your wisdom. Great, Josh. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Okay. Over and out.